Hey everyone, how's it going? This is Ashley, the producer and creator of the Is a Transphobic podcast. First and foremost, I want to give a special shout out to my good friend Rachel Weekly for giving this episode a once over and uh, it, and editing it for me. Uh, honestly, we put out a call to try and raise our Patreon earnings uh, monthly, and we did. Uh, and people did show up, and people are amazing, and I love you, especially anyone who was able to jump in and help out for that month. Uh, but it's just not sustainable. Uh, that said, what I'm going to do, instead of canceling the podcast, and I know that that was on the table, and it really was. I had to think about that. That is a consideration I had to have. This has been going for five years, and I love it. And it's been a passion project, but when episodes dip it weighs on me like when I can't produce an episode or when an episode that I release is not to the standards that I would like it I don't feel good and part of that is because I've been doing this all myself part of that is because I've been doing this on my own it's tough to ask for help and it's tough to accept help But one of the ways that I'm going to try and find that help is I'm going to shut off monetization for the Patreon for the months of uh, July and August. Uh, We've we've gotten the payment for June, so if you've been a patron for June, that's going to carry on through the summer. Don't worry, you're not going to get charged regardless of how many episodes I put out. We have been recording episodes. We are going to continue recording episodes. We're going to continue releasing episodes. I just kind of need the summer to restructure the business strategy of this podcast, which is just, if you know me, that is so hard to say. Um, But we're going to restructure the business strategy of this podcast. And I'm hoping to bring on a co-producer. It just needs to get done. Uh, I need someone to help me do edits. I need someone to help me organize. I need someone to help me with promotion. It just, that's just how it is. Uh, And that's cool. And it means that we're wanting to grow, but I'm getting a little burned out. And that's okay. Now, for an intro to the actual episode itself, uh, thank you for sticking with me with that. But for the the episode itself, we're going to be talking about Sailor Moon. We're specifically focusing mostly on the original series, uh, less about the manga, more about the original series as it aired, both in the original Japanese and in English, Uh, basically whatever we had access to, both growing up and within the time span of recording the episode. And recently, Netflix put out a series of Sailor Moon movies, which I saw the first one so far, and I really love it, and it's based around a huge portion of this uh, this arc that we talk about, the one with Fisheye, Hawk's Eye, and Lion Eye, or Tiger's Eye, and it's fascinating to watch what they do with Fisheye, because I thought that they were robbing Fisheye of Fisheye's kind of gender fluidity and this this idea that they gave fisheye in the movie but then they kind of transfer it to hawk's eye and that's fascinating on so many levels so many levels check out the movie you might love it you might hate it i don't know (laughs) but we don't talk about it because we recorded this almost a year ago this is the last episode in the 
arc of episodes that we pre-recorded when the pandemic had started. Uh, now we are recording episodes in the period where the pandemic in America is becoming more manageable, but not over. Thank you to Mary Kozer for proposing this episode. Is It Transphobic? We'll be addressing issues of transphobia and transmisogyny. We may also address issues of racism, classism, ableism, and various other intersectional issues in this podcast. So this is a trigger warning. The panelists on Is It Transphobic? will also use strong language. So listener discretion is advised. everyone. My name is Ashley Lauren Rogers. I am the creator and producer of the Is It Transphobic podcast. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns, and today I'm being joined by... Uh, hi, my name is Vivian Eladren. I am a video essayist and amateur YouTuber. Uh, I use she or they pronouns. Um, and also, I'm trying to like gesture at the camera. <laughs> um... I'm Kat, I use they pronouns, and mostly I just meme a lot. (laughs) Memes memes mean a lot to me, so. (laughs) Awesome. So today we're talking about Sailor Moon. Uh, I'm really excited. This is like growing up, I loved Sailor Moon. I only ever caught random episodes, and I didn't understand... Like, I couldn't put together the coherent story, but the bits and pieces that I saw, I really loved. So for me, I I just, I love it. I'd love to hear from both of you about uh, what Sailor Moon kind of means to you and how you were introduced to it. Um, Well, okay. Um, So uh, I was watching Sailor Moon all the way back when I was a little kid. Um, It was like, I don't know, it was one of those things that like my brother and I like, uh we watched but like we continue to have this kind of like joking conversation about it's like oh well it's a girl show but like we only watch it because there's nothing else on uh and i was like yeah totally and in my heart i'd be like um uh you know like like every cis man did back when they were a child clearly um (laughs) sorry this is a terrible joke um and since then i managed to watch uh i watched all five seasons when i was in uh undergrad and i got most of the way through like the remake of it uh but mm-hmm. then it kind of fell off um halfway through uh season three and then i found out that they didn't remake season five which is my favorite season so what what even is the point uh i yeah fell into love with Sailor Moon through, like, I think I saw a couple of really badly fan-subbed bootlegs very early on, and then it came out on Toonami, and I loved it. I loved it so much, and it was possibly a bit telling that I wanted to be a Sailor Scout, but, you know, in a straight way. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so did I. <laughs> yeah. So that was a whole thing. 
it also led me to discovering fan fiction. And when I say discovering fan fiction, this was in the days before AO3. This was in the days before LiveJournal. This was on bulletin board systems and a whole lot of mess there, but I loved every second of it. Huh. I was going to say, I think I, I was introduced to fan fiction from fanfiction.net, I think it was. That was, like, that, that was, yeah, that was mine. <laughs> so we're talking like even before fanfiction.net or we're talking like... Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this was in the days of using a dial-up modem to connect directly to a BBS. Mm. So, <laughs> nice. Um, which for younger people is a bulletin board system. It's like the proto-internet... It's a message board, but you had to connect through your phone directly to a system, and it didn't have, like, graphics or anything, and whew, it was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the reasons that we've been kind of because sailor moon has been on my mind a lot for like while i was doing this podcast as have a lot of anime but we don't tend to cover a lot of anime because especially with more like classic anime it's not intended for our audience specifically in america and so there's a lot that can get lost in both the literal translation but also the translation of culture and so we just kind of, I want to make sure that I'm going in and saying like, hey, we're going to be talking about this, but there's also a whole uh, world that, like, there's a whole part of criticism that we are missing out because we are coming at it from uh, literally translations. So for me, it's like, we're going to be able to discuss it. We're going to be able to talk about a lot of the, the broader things, but there are some things that we might miss. And I just want to say that's okay. And I'm totally here for and want people to contact is a transphobic and let us know, hey, these are some things that you missed out on. This will provide a little bit more context. So yeah. So let's jump in. If we can get Philip DeFranco about this, I guess. Let's just jump into this. Uh, Sailor Moon and trans issues. Uh, there's a lot of intriguing gender stuff within the Sailor Moon universe. Uh, immediately, a lot of people look at Sailor Uranus um, and Sailor Uranus's androgyny. Uh, what, like, yeah, what are what are some things that immediately stand out to you as far as Sailor Moon and gender and trans issues? I mean, uh, honestly, what excited me about like showing up in this podcast specifically was um like for this episode specifically was that like i have such like strong and firm opinions about like what sailor moon does with like uh sexuality and like orientation uh because i feel like that's more in the forefront of this conversation uh mm. in general considering that like in so many seasons of sailor moon they try to like perpetuate the sort of love triangle between usagi and mamoru and somebody else and that happens, I think, three times in the entirety of the show. And um, the first time, I think, was with uh, in season two, the the, the 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 evil king guy who was a total skeezball, and I hated him. Um, <laughs> very hot, but also terrible. Um, <laughs> and then in season three, it was uh, between her and Mamoru and um, Sailor Uranus. And then in uh, season five, it was her Mamoru and Seiya, I believe. 
who was like the like de facto leader of the Sailor Starlights. And it's what's really interesting is that in the original manga, I know that like, um, I mean, uh, we'll get to that one later. We'll get to season five. Uh, but I know that like Sailor Uranus has and always is, you know, a woman, but like she expresses herself in a lot of like masculine coded signifiers. Um, and I don't know, that's, it's just a really interesting thing to like uh, think about in, in conversation with gender. Uh, mostly because like the night before this uh, podcast happened, I was like staying up all night trying to like think of like what is the most masculine characters in Sailor Moon? Like, because even the guys in Sailor Moon are all have a lot of like feminine coded signifiers. A lot of them are, you know, very delicate. They have very slender frames. They have, you know, they don't really have like particularly masculine coded hobbies for like the nineties anime. Like, you know, um, the most prominent male character on the show, Tuxedo Mask, you know, he fights with roses and he's dressed in a suit like he's going ballroom dancing. Like, it's just very, I don't know, it's very fanciful. It's very like, uh, I don't know, I love it. Don't get me wrong, I, I adore it, but. Um, yeah. It's it's interesting that Uranus is such an open and earnest, like playing with gender roles and gender expression. Mm. Yeah, Uranus. Oh, I always liked Uranus's character so much because, I mean, at first they mistake her for a boy, and even once they know she's a girl there's still a lot of that crushy behavior going on, which is really cute. But <laughs> I mean, even I before that, like, with Jupiter, Jupiter's very, very much a girl, but at the same time has a lot of like masculine traits um, going on that, you know, all of the girls very much admire. There's never really any judgment about that. Yeah, it's just so interesting seeing that reaction. And then, of course, the absolute disaster of the dub that we had. <laughs> the unintentional incest thing. That was, that was oh. a thing that happened. It was a thing that happened. One of, one of my no. favorite. Uh, <laughs> if we say they're cousins, maybe it'll be okay. It's like. I'm, it... I'm, really, I'm really happy that the name of this podcast is is it transphobic and not is it incest because this would be a very different conversation we'd be having um, <laughs> I don't I, I also hate to cut you off but like really quickly um, I think in her introductory episode uh, like Sailor Uranus's introductory episode one thing that I noticed that was really interesting is that I think she caught on that everybody thought that she was a boy pretty early on and she just kind of kept it going anyway and i like that because it kind of subtly has this weird like it has this kind of portrayal of like you know gender to this person seems to be more performative than like you know or, or like there's like a playfulness of like sure you know i can play along with this like yeah there's because I know even with uh, uh, Crystal, they definitely play that up a lot too. the the re I, I believe it's called Crystal. Yeah, Sailor Moon Crystal, the the remake that they started doing. And uh, they really 
once they introduce Sailor Uranus, they really play that up. They play up the whole like, yeah, all right, well, I'm hot. Doesn't matter how I'm dressed. Doesn't matter how I look. I'm hot. Uh, and then when she does turn into a Sailor Scout, when she transforms, like she's still in the high femme Sailor Scout outfit. I like that it doesn't necessarily bother her that much. Like there's there's just something really cool about that that she's like able to sort of play with it and like, all right, this this character has power. All right, I'm in life, like outside of the Sailor Scouts. I'm not necessarily gonna dress this way, but it's like, yeah, all right, I got power this way. This is cool. Like, I don't know. I just I dig Uranus's vibe. So I mean, I, I also think that that's just like fundamentally one of the appeals and draws of Sailor Moon is like um when my brother and I were watching it as kids, like we were watching it like side by side with Dragon Ball Z, which like, you know, is maybe something like a very heavily masculine coded like show because it's just a bunch of like men with big muscles and big energy blasts and power. And I really liked that Sailor Moon, when I was a kid, Sailor Moon was like, to me read as, um, you know, this is reductive bullshit or whatever, but like as a kid, it read to me as like Dragon Ball Z for girls, where like femininity and feminine coded, you know, appeals and aesthetics and, and visuals, et cetera, et cetera, uh, was what was powerful in this world. You know, she, all of the characters, all of uh, all of the characters um, grew stronger the more they shed themselves from like, you know, of course, like normal mundane features, but also like by sinking into this sort of like feminine coded beauty, they gain strength. And I don't know, that, I I like that, you know, that's, that's basically what Bayonetta is. Like, I'm into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bayonetta and Sailor Moon are the same thing, okay? That's my hot take. Boom. <laughs> Done. Well, Sailor Moon was so very special in anime at its time also, because, I mean, you had the mag magical girl concept. It wasn't new. But, and the, like, Sentai, the team fight thing wasn't new, but, like, combining them and making it into this very, very specifically and not subtly occasionally gay thing and putting it out there that was different and it shook up the magical girl formula for a very long time you could argue up to today easily and so it was so much it was so good for so many people not just us over here with our really crappy dic dub um, <laughs> we, it, it mattered and God, it's fun. It's a lot of great stuff. And it changed up the magical girl thing into being like for teenagers, not for little kids. A lot of the previous magical girl stuff, not all of it, but a lot of the previous magical girl stuff was aimed at a much younger audience. Mm -hmm. And this came straight after teenagers and it provided a group of female heroes who weren't all in the same vein. Like, sure, you have Asagi, and she's your klutzy, silly, girly, princessy character. But you also have Ami, who's out here, and she's super intelligent, and she knows, like, everything. And Ray, who's all about spiritualism and works at a temple. And like, it just continues down the line like that. They're all so different. Mm -hmm. And 
it said you can be a girl however you're a girl and it made no bones about embracing and loving traditionally femme things but it didn't say there was a formula to that it just said have fun mm-hmm. which yeah that's wonderful yeah ah god i love the show all right um <laughs> One of the, like, because I was looking up a couple of quotes from Sailor Uranus, because I was just like, I wanted to see, like, because if we're going to talk about Sailor Uranus, like, the one of the, the lines that she says after they find out, like, wait, so you are a girl? And she just says, I don't recall ever saying that I was a guy. And I just love that. Because <laughs> it, it literally is like, like we were saying, that idea of, like, oh, so you just made assumptions. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> like, yeah, I kind of think. You know, I'll make your attitude of, yeah. Mm. And also, oh, sorry. Um, Also, like, one thing that I really love about the Outer Planets specifically is that, like, um, you know, know, specifically with, like, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, like, they have very distinct and, like, different uh, ways of, like, expressing themselves that, like, mesh really well with the inner uh, scouts. But, like... Uh, it's just I don't know I, I I'm trying to I think what I'm doing is I'm just trying to figure out a way to talk about how like Sailor Pluto is like weirdly like um I almost want to say like kind of weirdly androgynous in expression because like in the few times that you actually see her outside of her like her uniform you know she's usually in like a suit and a skirt sort of deal so it's this mm-hmm. weird kind of like cla- like mashing of styles from like Uranus's like more you know, suit, suit and pan oriented kind of fashion and Neptune's very high femme uh, fashion. And I, I don't know, I like that the trio complement each other so well. Um, and also that, you know, Sailor Pluto can walk around in what looks like basically like a power suit um, and also is like in control of time in a way that's really terrifying. I like that. Um, <laughs> I'm generally a fan trying to find images of because i've like now that you've mentioned it i'm like wait when have i seen sailor pluto outside of the the sailor outfit because i know she's usually guarding the the time door but (laughs) magnificent it's like it's like so 90s it's it's so great yeah okay um yeah so i i gotta ask because everyone is going to ask me because they've already asked me the sailor stars this is going to be the the one that people always bring up whenever they talk about like either positive or negative interpretations of Sailor Moon and trans uh, transness. I have not seen the Sailor Stars season. Could someone explain to me? Could could either slash both of you explain to me the Sailor Stars? Do you want to go or should I? I mean, <clears throat> for some context. There's a difference between how they're handled in the manga and in the anime. Mm. In the anime, they're just kind of very generally butchy women who are also, you know, performers and whatnot. But in the manga, they're men. No, it's the other way around. Oh, wait, is it the other? No. Yeah, it's the it's the other way around. Um, Mostly because, like, 
their transformation sequences. You know how like when they do the transformation sequence and they go into oh. those like naked silhouettes. In the manga, they're women. They're cross-dressing as men. Yes. And yeah. in the anime, they actually transform. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So in the original manga, they are. Uh, women, and it's like one of those weird moments. I did a little bit of research on this. It's it's been a while, so I might not be a hundred percent on this. But like what I did look into, um, it was this very weird tension between like the director of the anime and uh, the writer herself, because she was very adamant of like, no, only women can do this. Only women can do this. Um, and I think what the studio wanted is they wanted the, like, if it was going to be a compelling love triangle that was predominating season five, which I think was also a departure from the, from the original manga's like story, but I didn't read that. So what do I know? Um, uh, but if they're going to try to center this sort of love triangle relationship, uh, the studio is like, no, we kind of want the love, the rival figure in this triangle to be a guy. So, it was this weird like marketing decision to like go well they're guys when they're outside of uniform so that way we can have nice pure clean heterosexual love tension in this show for once in our goddamn life <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but in classic fashion they kind of messed up and now you know uh we have three characters that are like canonically in the anime by gender, like gender fluid, uh, super warriors. And I love them. Um, they have horrifyingly uncomfortable names. It's so great. Um, like for their attacks, like I think one is like, like, like star burning uterus or something. Star it's amazing. Uterus. Yes. It's so good. What? <laughs> No, hold on, hold on. <laughs> star burning uterus. No, star dental, dental uterus. Uterus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that. I um... <laughs> I, I want to formulate a thought, and I just nope. Here we are. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> star burning uterus. Because I and I've I've looked up pictures of them, and respect but if i saw this at like a bdsm club i probably would oh do it. like not to, not it's just like wow wow they went all in on like the like the leather and the it's just wow yeah, i am uh, <laughs> i <laughs> like it's because it sounds like there's a lot of uh political reasons why a lot of things had to change from the source material into the manga and i'm just trying to figure out if there's because of that loss in translation if the stars are, are viewed and especially because of the outfits that they're wearing if they're viewed in like a i don't know like queer is dark sexualized like i, I don't know i don't know how to formulate this thought but um, like does is it more because is it more sexualized because of that, or is it just sort of on level? Would would you say? Yeah, yeah it's it's a weird question. I know it is. Like, a, it is a weird one, but it's like the thing is. Um, I mean, no shade to season five or whatever. Uh, I can't super remember much about like the the three of them and their character arcs. 
Like hmm. they don't, they're, they're there a lot and they fight and stuff. I hmm. remember that. I remember Saya because Saya is like the main one. And, and I remember that the other two had like some mini arcs here and there throughout the season. But most of the time, they basically just fulfill the same role that like Uranus and Neptune did in the first half of season three, which is like people get in trouble and then they show up and they do stuff and you're like, oh, okay. And then that's it. Um, uh, they are also, spoiler alert, uh, we're going to tag spoilers like in this, yeah, right? I'll, like, okay. I'll do a generic spoiler uh, alert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a spoiler alert. Uh, I do know that throughout the course of the anime, they're the only three um, Sailor Scouts who never die. Every single other one of them die at least once, if not more. Hmm. Uh, And it's like my favorite part of season five is that like after season three and season two, where they're like going after the heart crystals or going after your dream mirror and all of this like you know, kind of gentle malevolence and like, ooh, you know, we're so wicked. Um, Season five, they're like, we're just straight up killing people now. (laughs) Did you like Tuxedo Mask? He's dead now. Like... (laughs) Dang. (laughs) Spoilers. Um, uh, Yeah, I mean, they all get better at the end. So like, whatever. But like, no, they like legit just start like killing like Sailor Scouts in season five. Uh, which maybe is why it never came to to the U.S. I, I have no idea, but it didn't. It never came to the U.S. So let's move on to to fisheye, and we'll see if we can kind of pull all these three and maybe more that we haven't even talked about uh, into a, a coherent thought. But with fisheye, I was able to finally sit down because I don't remember any of this i don't remember the the circus tent i don't remember the the mirrors i was like maybe i stopped watching around this time um but i really wish i had seen fisheye in my initial watch because i kind of dig him like Mm. he's kind of cool even though he's evil um so yeah like fisheye is part of the the evil group for you know the evil group for this season which is all circus themed because... i forgot their names but yeah yeah there's i forget the the main antagonist but it's uh fish eye hawkeye and tiger eye are the three main lackeys that interact with the sailor scouts the most um mm-hmm. and fish eye amazon trio Yes, the Amazon Trio. Oh, yeah, right. Which is also fascinating that they're the Amazon Trio and they are three male-identified people. It's just like, hmm. Um, but yeah, they're they... Also like, they're also like pickup artists, right? Yeah, the like, whole thing... That was their, like, shtick. Like... Yeah, the whole season was just them picking up everyone that they're trying like it's literally seducing people and then stealing their the, their soul mirror so that they can see their dreams um <laughs> i'm probably saying the wrong words and people are going to blast me for that and that's fine but it's a mirror inside of people that they can see dreams um their dream mirror or something i don't i don't remember yeah so <laughs> i love how fisheye dresses like the like a sexy version of the michelin man like <laughs> Like he's he's in this like weird like it's almost like a big full like a jumpsuit of a winter coat. And I I feel like that's just like that's a choice right there, sure. 
Michelin Man <laughs> would make it fashion. <laughs> and there is a fashion episode in in this season. It's season four, uh, and we'll get to that one. But like the first one that we actually see, like most of it is just Tiger Eye doing his thing and trying to seduce people and then fighting the sailor scouts and using a lackey of his own to go out and attack them and then getting away. But eventually in season four, what is labeled as season four, episode 137, we finally see Fisheye do his thing and he seduces a man and he presents as a woman. And it is a thing where it was just like, you know, if I had seen this growing up, this would probably be my favorite episode. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, would, I wouldn't tell people that, but yeah, like it absolutely would have been my favorite episode because it's this really like, because you can definitely tell that Fisheye is in his element. And I'm using him because they still use he, him pronouns within the show, even when Fisheye is presenting in different, uh, like differently at the same time, like, oh man, I, I just, I dig him so much. Um mm-hmm. But it's also interesting the way that Hawkeye and Tiger Eye are constantly both like, first off, we see them arguing over old women. Oh, no, young women. Oh, which one is better? Oh, no, this one's better. And then here's Fisheye going like, oh, that's a dude. Yeah, I'm into this. Let's go. (laughs) So he pretends to be a fairy uh, to (laughs) lure, which has, I feel like, does not have the same connotation. Yeah, like it's yeah, it has to be one of those moments where like, okay, this is a different culture, like this different didn't go through, okay. Like it's like, yep, that is a a translation that just nope, 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 nope. I yep, I don't think that was intentional, but at the same time, it has quite an interesting, unfortunate translation. Um so then then uh at one point she's or he's luring his prey and the cat diana the the tiny cat um Mm -hmm. smells him and says oh he smells delicious which was just right it's just like all right fish right okay with it um wait does that mean that like does that mean that like he smells like fish because like that's a that's a choice like that's uh it's a very interesting <laughs> choice if you're going out to like try to like find find a romantic partner. I don't usually find a lot of people that are like, "Wow, baby, you smell like fish." Mm. That's usually Tell a derogatory way to talk to someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is that carp that I'm getting uh, <laughs> aromas of? <laughs> oh, <laughs> smell yeah. like a koi pond. Tell me more. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm being terrible. Um. This is cool. Um, yeah. yeah. So then we see Tiger Eye and Hawkeye in a later episode. They start commenting on how they're actually kind of attracted to Fisheye when Fisheye's putting on his makeup, uh, and it's just like it's like there's a lot of very like it's not even coded. It's just there. It's obvious, and I'm digging that. But what I really love is the next major episode that we get with Fisheye is Fisheye is like, oh, I'm going to seduce this guy, but I'm going to do it as me. And literally just walks by him in pants and a shirt. And the this fashion designer is just so enamored and says, oh, I, I took a screenshot because I was so like, I was just like, yes. Um, but it was. 
you were just like, yes. <laughs> it's just, yes. Um, he goes, I don't care about that. After he, after Fisheye says, oh, but I'm a guy. And the fashion designer says, I don't care about that. To me, your beauty transcends gender. <laughs> and I'm just yeah. like, you know. That, that's powerful. Yeah. Here for this. Um, but yeah, so unfortunately, the way that Fisheye tries to extract the dream mirror, the soul mirror from this fashion designer is by getting him, by being a toxic uh, model, a toxic muse and getting him to fire all of his staff or making the staff quit. And then, so it's just like, ah, ah I was rooting for you. I really was. And sadness prevailed. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Unfortunately, I was not able to finish the season, so I have no idea. Like, if either of you, do either of you know what else happens with Fisheye? Because I was told, like, I really should watch for this character. And even just in those two episodes, I was like, yeah, there's so much about them that is just fascinating. Like, I feel like he dies. Yeah, he dies. No! Yeah. <laughs> no! I mean... <laughs> like with so many Sailor Moon deaths, it doesn't stick. <laughs> Go on. Sailor <laughs> Moon is like the marvel of anime. Nobody really seems to stay dead except for like a couple of the early season villains who got really, really. I'm sorry. I'm still salty about Zoisai and Nephrite. I will always be. Anyway. <laughs> they loved each other and it was meaningful. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, yeah, they they kind of, they die, but then, you know, Pegasus, the walking deus ex machina, um, <laughs> comes in and, what was it? I think, like, gives them their own mirrors so they can be you know real people too yeah. and then mm. takes them away to a place where they can be happy forever which okay but sounds kind of like the dog went up to a farm upstate to live out his life um <laughs> <laughs> oh no so pegasus ex machina shows up and takes them away to a farm upstate yeah they basically they basically so when they die when they die they get reverted into a tiger a hawk and a fish like oh oh god yeah and then oh. pegasus takes them and goes there they're sweet things and then makes them human i forgot um, animal things <laughs> So, okay, so so just so I'm tracking the, the timeline of events, when they die, they turn into a fish tiger and a hawk. Are they a, are they a dead fish tiger hawk, or is it like they're alive now, but they're like... I can't remember. That... No, they're dead. Okay. They're dead, 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 dead. Oh, oh they're just dead animals. Goddamn! <laughs> it was a okay. touching death scene, too, and, you know, you're feeling it, and you're also trying not to laugh at the fact that animals... And then, you know, wax on, wax off, they're all good. But then they have to leave, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Go back You're fixed now. Like, Goodbye. Poochie has to go back to his home planet now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> no, well, that's cool. Okay, let's let's talk for a second about Zoocyte and I. I don't hurt me. I can't remember the other character's Nephrite. name. But yes, Nephrite. Um, because for me, when I was doing a rewatch way, way, way back, I forgot that the dub they cast one of them with a female voice actor and change the pronouns to she, her. Um, and it just like, it's fascinating how like, and I wonder if they did the, the whole like Uranus, uh, <laughs> Uranus being a cousin of, um, I think that was the same dub. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was, it was just like, oh yeah. It was just like, wow. It's like, well, we got away with it the first season. We made it work. I'm sure it'll work now. Um, we survived. <laughs> I loved Zoocyte and Nephrite, and I think what really works with Sailor Moon and me is, and it's not every season, but most seasons they're able to create antagonists and villains who you really pull for. You don't want them to win because, you know, they're trying to do evil things, but you really want them to find a way to win as well. And, like, I think that's what really, like, especially with Zoocyte and Nephrite, uh, what connected me to them. Um, and it just, it sucks that they just decided that they needed to have heteronormativity in order for that to work for an American audience. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I mean, on the other side of that, as much as that does suck, because I would have liked to see them, yeah. mm. but it did mean mm. that we had a female character who, you know, had a different body type. Mm. That's true. Yeah. That's we, true. And it also meant that the only immediately queer characters weren't dead by the end of their story. Uh, technically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, what is an interesting compliment to all of this is, or like not an interesting, like not interesting good, but just interesting, interesting, um, is that like, in the manga and in the remake in Crystal, it's made way more explicit, but like Usagi is bisexual. Like she is uh, pretty like straightforwardly bisexual in, again, in Crystal and in the manga. Um, so a lot of like, and, and that shows up a lot more like in, uh in those cases like usagi just like openly and obviously has like a crush on ray mm -hmm. uh like she like seeks her out because like she quote finds her like to be like one of the most beautiful women she's ever met like mm -hmm. um so it's really interesting where they do and don't allow uh like where they do and don't use heteronormativity as like you know the designator for like what is good and pure and gets to live Mm. Um, because like Usagi is not straight, like she just isn't. You know, the reason why it's still at least something of an interesting love triangle in season three is that like despite um Sailor Uranus being uh despite that's a terrible way to put it, I'm sorry. Um, but you know, Sailor Uranus is a woman and Usagi doesn't care, she's still into her. Like she knows she's still into her, like the just you know, there was never a moment where she mm. even questions it, especially not in, in the manga or in Crystal. She, she never goes uh, like, 
but she's a woman. I don't know if I should. She's just like, I, she's gorgeous. Like I, I should, all of her conflict seems to be like, I shouldn't because, you know, I have a boyfriend instead of like, you know, I shouldn't. <laughs> That's yeah. not what women do. Um, goodness. I will correct so, us really quickly before mm -hmm. the listeners um, rise up. Insight that um, um, uh, site was with Nephrite was the one who fell for Naru. Ah, okay. Oh my yep. god, you're right. They're oh, all god. named after minerals, okay? Not our fault. <laughs> you can't name right. I'm sorry, I'm not a geologist, okay? Listen, listen, internet, okay? Look, we're trying. There's a lot of lore going on that we're, that we're trying to parse and a lot of different translations. We're figuring it out. And I haven't seen this in like eight years, so. Yes, we're trying. <laughs> we're trying, y'all. Yeah. So, oh, so uh, I guess, like, why don't we start kind of wrapping up? Um, is there anything else that we just did not get to that we really need to talk about with uh, Vivian has raised arms has something to say go for I it like, I have like a thing I have a chip on my shoulder yeah. because it's like the best thing that ever happened in season one of Sailor Moon Crystal um, which was Sailor Jupiter's introduction uh, like made me cry a little bit because I don't know if they intended to do this but like her entire narrative in Cinnamon Crystal specifically was that she was considered to be a bully because she was tall and strong and everybody felt like associated all these masculine signifiers with her. They mm. they saw her as mannish and tough and mean and the beauty of like of like Usagi getting to know Mako was like she's like but you're really pretty and you're really kind and you care you care a lot about like cooking and and you find out that she wants to open like a little cafe like that's what she wants you know to do with her life so there's this like feminine spirit in her that the world refuses to see because she looks you know not what would be considered in heteronormative society to be traditionally feminine um and she just wishes that people could see her as you know, this woman who loves cooking and, you know, caring for her friends and her pretty little rose earrings. Um, and like, as somebody who's tall and feels like I'm very mannish and feels like people don't really treat me, you know, the way I wish that they would, like, I saw that and I was like, oh no, I'm gonna cry. Like, oh. because they accidentally made a trans narrative in a character that like, you know, we don't have any like, hashtag canon deep lore about like whether or not Mako is or isn't trans you know that's I guess up to up to interpretation but like her narrative really spoke to me um and I like that the way that that episode resolved was in her finding friends who could see her the way that she saw herself and I don't know that touched that touched me in in my heart and feelings and it was really good yeah. and it should come up in this podcast called Is It Transphobic? Because yeah. it should. Yeah. Dude, so, I, I, I agree. I, that. I mean, Mako is, um, uh, like, when she joins the school, she's actually, like, so much bigger than everyone else. They don't even have uniforms in her size, so she has to wear her old school uniform. That's why she has the brown skirt instead of the blue one. Mm -hmm. like, mm. 
even clothes wise she doesn't get to fit in quite like everyone else mm. especially with like yep okay sorry no worries and and especially just that idea of like a school uniform i am very team not school uniforms in general but like when there is a school uniform and everyone has to have it suddenly you are immediately seen and you're immediately like the worst thing that you can be in your youth is noticed uh and not only is she tall not only all that like having a different uniform is immediately like oh you stand out it's like no please no yeah (laughs) i feel that Uh, anything else or do we want to like is there anything else that we're forgetting that i didn't bring up uh brought up how everybody died in season five brought up <laughs> i mean everybody dies at the end of season one too uh and whoo i did not see that coming uh it has nothing to do with gender or transphobia it's just holy no, shit they did great. it holy <laughs> shit <laughs> like, yeah it was great and like it wasn't even like a dignified like pretty like oh you know they cut away from the camera so that you don't see and you're just like oh goodness no like you get to see like ray like like battered and beaten like on the icy crystal and i'm just like oh no (laughs) Uh oh yeah Uh, it's a whole rough scene oh my god they went there they went there and uh i'm so happy um yeah so all right so the questions that we ask at the end of every episode and obviously there's only so much detail that we could go in by talking about all of sailor moon because it is it has so much lore so many different translations so many different things so i'm sure that there's going to be more that we can get to and musicals oh my god we didn't even talk about the musicals right (laughs) like is this just an introduction to sailor moon is this part one of like you know are we going to make a spin-off podcast which is is it sailor moon and <laughs> i mean i'm not saying no but i already have two and there were too many <laughs> okay but that title though if you ever yeah. if you is ever make moon? this podcast I, that's a gift from me to you okay okay maybe maybe that'll be our our april fools episode is literally just listing <laughs> a bunch of media is it sailor moon no, get shorty. No. Is it Sailor Moon? No. <laughs> no, of course not. All right. <laughs> so the two questions we ask at the end of each episode is, is it transphobic and is it enjoyable? Uh, so let's start with let's start with the one that I think is going to be actually a little harder to answer. Uh, is it transphobic? Um Yeah, I know. Um, I I will start this one and say no, but there's a lot of decisions that have been made that have made that a lot harder to say to say no to in the past. I think now that we are looking at it, now that they're redubbing it, now that they're doing a lot more with it, we can look at it as it probably was intended to be and say, you know. No, but there are definitely a lot of interesting things that we can look at on that scale. I I don't think it's transphobic. It's, there's some moments in it where it's like, honestly, I'm more mystified that like all of the decisions that they made that really could have very easily been transphobic ended up just kind of sidestepping that. Like they really could have 
made Fisheye and the Starlights deeply transphobic, and instead they're just, like, there's a weird level of compassion and empathy in it that, like, you know, maybe it wasn't intended, you know, maybe these decisions weren't, like, we're gonna give, we're gonna give the transes everything they want in this 90s anime, and we're gonna revolutionize the world as much as, like, probably just made a bunch of decisions that on the surface probably seemed like good market moves, uh, and had just awkwardly ended up at the other end going like, oh, I mean, I guess the Starlights are fine. Like, I I guess they're okay. Like, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's transphobic. I, you know, maybe I'm wrong. And in which case, you know, like, comment, and, wait, no, this is a podcast, never mind. Uh, <laughs> Click that Sorry. bell. Bang that gavel. Tell my, my, my YouTube. Tell my the YouTube, YouTube algorithm where it can go. <laughs> Smash that like button, please. No. Like, same as both of you. I don't think it did. It have some very very '90s moments. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but. Did it handle, did this Japanese anime handle a lot of these issues better than a lot of Western media at the exact same time that was specifically aimed at the topic? Yeah. Yeah, it did. Because, let's be real, there are a lot of 90s movies around this topic that, let's be real, we all love, but we know you have to look at with the... Uh, very 90s filter on and it's just not as needed here like i mean yeah i mean for an interesting corollary uh one of my favorite 90s animes is yu yu hakusho and yu yu hakusho has uh an episode in one of the arcs that is intensely transphobic because woof uh like I, we're not going to get into it because this isn't the yu yu hakusho episode though if you ever do one Please invite me. I love that show. Okay. I love that show. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but yeah, same era. This is a 90s show and 90s anime. Same same country of origin and everything. And they really, really profoundly messed that one up. So. I think a lot of it also depends on who's writing and for what audience. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> Yeah. Boys boys just want to make fun of trans women. What can I say? It's yep. <laughs> yep. So <laughs> that said, uh, final question. Was it enjoyable? Yes. Was all of Sailor Moon canon enjoyable? <laughs> all uh... I've sat through all of the musicals <laughs> more than <laughs> once, so I might not be exactly the sanest voice on that matter <laughs> but like i love them i love them goofy as they are and they are <laughs> like sailor iron mouse oh i love her i'm sorry i love her she was such a weirdo <laughs> a delight but also what <laughs> 
I love the show. It's wonderful. It's timeless. There was a Sailor Cat Girl at one point. It was so good. <laughs> it, it revolutionized season five. You have yes. to find it. It revolutionized the genre. It did a lot of things that were pretty gutsy around gender and sexuality. It's also just really good, sweet fun. Yeah, it's it's. How can you not love it? It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Vivian. Yeah, I mirror that entirely. It's super fun. Um, I would argue that maybe the first half of season one, uh, you wouldn't hurt yourself if you like looked up one of those curated lists of like what episodes of season one you actually want to watch and which ones you want to skip because there's a lot of filler ones. Like there's one where it's like the entire episode is just like uh, uh, Luna uh, mocking Usagi for being fat and they go to a gym and there's a gym related bad guy or whatever. And it's just like, I don't... So like there's some episodes in season one that's like, you can skip those. Yeah. No one no one watches them anymore. And I would also say that in general, season four is a pretty weak season. Um, but like, I I can only really remember Sailor Moon fondly. Hmm. And I also did play that one Super Nintendo um, JRPG Sailor Moon video game. Um, that's my weird claim to fame. Uh, <laughs> so I... I completely agree i love every bit of sailor moon that i've seen even the bits that i don't particularly care for it's something that i'm, I'm happy to rewatch over and over again uh even though like again it, it's just one of those it's just one of those pieces it's so good it's so so good if you haven't watched it i do recommend watching sailor moon crystal but there are people that will tell you that that is garbage and they hate it and that is fine respect at the same time i loved crystal i thought crystal was so good just um don't worry about the transformation animation because whoo, they spent a lot of money on a thing they did not need to spend any money on. That was just garb. Those, oh my god, those transformations where like her arm is like a like a like a rubber band. Anyway, um, it's so it's so quick you don't even need to worry about it. They're back and they're ready to to go with their show after the transformation. Anyway, uh, so I also feel like they're missing the point. It's like we want I don't know. I always like seeing new transformations. So if they're going to do season two and a season three and a season four, you know, show me the new stuff. Show me the, you know, Usagi did all sorts of different, different stuff when she was transforming in the original. And I missed that. And yeah, I know that by the time we got to season three, her attack was like 20 minutes long because she was fucking like pirouetting like, tw like 2000 times. Uh, holding a staff or whatever. I love that. Okay. The impossible twirl. I love the impossible twirl. Uh, yes, chef kiss. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, so uh, tell people how to find you on the internet if you want them to. If not, don't worry about it. <laughs> oh dear goodness. Um, do you want to go first or? Um, if you want, cat k t john adams, all one word, at Tumblr. Um, uh, otherwise, you're not gonna find me. I'm ninety percent a ghost on the internet. This is intentional. Yeah, I was about to say it's probably for the best, honestly. Um, okay, you can find me 
Oh dear God. Uh, so I run a YouTube channel now called Hearts and Minds, and it is a video essay series that uh, mostly deals with like pop culture, uh, you know, media analysis, and occasionally I do some political content. Uh, I don't recommend you see any of that. Um, <laughs> uh, again, the YouTube channel is Hearts and Minds. Uh, I'm incredibly very, very tiny. Um, so it's, I, I might have to send you a link so that you can post it so that people can click it instead of looking it up because you're not going to find it. Yeah, uh, I would, and I would also follow me on Twitter uh, at uh, VDAladren. That's V-I-V-I-A-L-A-D-R-E-N. Sometimes I even tweet. Awesome. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Lucretia Deer for L-U-C-R-E-T-I-A-D-E-A-R and then the number four. Uh, you can also find the Is a Transphobic podcast on Twitter at Is a Transphobic. And guess what? We now have an Instagram because I ha- don't like my own time. So <laughs> you can find that at Is it Transphobic. Uh, you can also go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash is transphobic. And for $1 a month at the least, uh, we're going to be releasing our episodes a week early and we're going to have bonus content that we will release, uh, including an interview with writer S.A. Hunt uh, that will you will get and the greater public will not get for another month. So, yeah. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you both so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Is It Transphobic was produced, edited, and coordinated by Ashley Lauren Rogers. The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Aladrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaladrin.bandcamp.com. 